0: Welcome to this podcast series asking the question, can art save us? I'm starting the first national and international conversation about courage and curiosity. What do these qualities really mean and why does it make a big difference to our mental, societal and democratic health? I talk to award-winning and diverse artists across the arts to explore these qualities in their lives and work, both to inspire and for us all to learn. I'm exploring why we need these qualities to help change the global epidemic of mental illness, loneliness, polarisation of our communities and even global conflict. If the arts cultivate courage and curiosity, I'm asking the question, can art save us? And my guest today is an outstanding world-class dancer and a master of making the impossible possible. His dance techniques and innovations exceed all ideas of what we typically think mobility is or what we think athleticism or able-bodied means. Musa Mota has won the hearts and minds of thousands around the world. He's celebrated as a national hero in his home country of South Africa and now based in London, England, he's equally loved. You may have seen his breakthrough UK performance on the hit TV series Britain's Got Talent. With Simon Cowell at the helm, Musa achieved an historic first. The first ever group golden buzzer was struck after the screaming, if not hysterical, insistence of the audience. A shower of love and gold saturated the stage in return for a dance performance that was one of awe and disbelief. Why? Musa Mota had a leg amputated at the age of 11. At 28, his dance performances take flight. His spins take charge of any stage and his ballet posture could hold up a skyscraper. But the essence of his core strength is courage, firm self-belief and faith. Hello Musa and thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Hello, thank you for the invite.
0: I'm so pleased we can talk. Um, I know you're busy. I know you're in a busy setting, but I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Thank you again for making the time.
1: Uh, thank you. I'm looking forward to sitting with you as well.
0: Oh, lovely. Well, Musa, um, one of the things I found interesting when I was doing my research, I saw a news report um, that had been shot in South Africa. And the reporter was saying that your name, Musa, actually means hope. And I've also read it can mean visionary and great messenger. So I was curious about the heritage of your name and and what you understand it to mean.
1: Oh, yes. Um, So my name has like different definition. Um, So first of all, yeah, it's hope. And then the other one is grace. You know, um, yeah. And again, it's just about like, yeah, my mum told me this message about like the name that she gave me, Musa. It's uh, actually being, having like a good heart and always being, you know, um, giving those positive vibes, positive energies at all time.
0: I mean, it couldn't have been a better chosen name, could it? In terms of how this has manifested uh, in terms of your purpose in life. Would you say that it really helps reinforce that purpose that you do want to instill um, positive messages, encourage people in terms of belief, self-belief or faith.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I, I believe that that's my purpose in it because like right now I'm at a stage <laughs> where I actually like go out do my job, you know, um, because I want to serve people. I want to restore their belief in themselves, you know, always be positive. Even if you can be in the midst of like negative stuff, but you can always, you know, drift back, find positives and then leave off the positive all the time and believe in yourself and know that nothing is impossible, in it?
0: Absolutely. And at the same time, your story, your life story is even more active than hope. You, you really do make things happen. You're actively involved in your own transformation. And I wondered, for listeners that aren't familiar yet with your story, what lies behind your extraordinary ability as a dancer? Would you like to explain how your life changed at the age of 10 and, and 11?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. So... um, I used to be a football player at the end of like at the age of like ten, nine, eleven, uh, and then um, uh, there was a time where I, I got kicked on my knee, but I, I wouldn't say it was a cause of everything, but it was just like a coincidence, and then alum and alert to like what was gonna happen, and then after that, my knee was getting swollen every day, um, and then it got big, and then I started to like go to the doctors and stuff, uh, but they couldn't find anything until um my mom took me to um took me to the to the doctor to the specialist and then we did like a surgical process called um biopsy where they take like a bone marrow and then they go do the test and that's where they came back with um um uh, i was positive with cancer and then they diagnosed me and then that's where I started to take my um they recommended me to take the chemotherapy and, and then um Yeah, I think after two after two weeks of taking it, they were like, nah, we suggest you to to go through the amputation because like we don't know how far it travelled. Um and then because you took so long to come to the hospital and doctors. So yeah, that's what that's what we actually faced and then yeah, it was it was not really like a traumatic story for me, you know, because I got sick for a long time before I could I could get diagnosed with cancer. So for me, it was a solution, you know. Um, and then, yeah, we, we made the decision as a, as a collective of family. You know, and um, yeah, it was a thing of like, yes, let's do it. Let's go through this.
0: Yeah, because you've said that part of your transformation, even at that young age, was that you took charge of your life. How How would you explain that? And particularly at such a young age when this was happening to you?
1: Um, I guess I've always been positive, you know, because my character haven't changed ever since I was young. Uh, so it was just about, like, always finding the positive sides of everything, you know. And again, um, it's just about, like, what I wanted in life, what I needed. You know, I knew what I wanted. And when every time I know what I want, I go for it, you know. And um, I'm that type of person who... Ways um, the possibilities of something if I want to buy a car i would I would just like calculate it like okay this is how much I need to put my energy into this and will I be able to afford it will I be able to get the energy and out of that will I be able to deal with the consequences of the situation um, and then that's that's actually what motivates me as, as as a young person you know and that's the strategy that I've been working on I've been using all my life. Because I remember even like when I started to to play football i I was actually like thinking about it like, "Oh, am I gonna be able to get to the superstar level, or what is this?" And if I don't see myself being a superstar then i don't I don't literally like try to do that, even with the dance, I started thinking about like, oh am I going to make it to the mainstream stages and all of that and then I started seeing that, and then that's why I was like, okay, cool then." Yes, let's do it. So I always have that self drive thing going on every time.
0: Yeah, so you really do set yourself enormously high standards. And the ironies in your life are extraordinary because you've said that you never saw yourself as a a dancer. Of course, you had interests um, in soccer. You never saw yourself as a dancer. You then lose a leg after a life-changing operation. And then you become an outstanding dancer (laughs) and you've said, (laughs) and you've said dance chose me. What, what did that choice feel like? How did it happen? How did it come and find you? Uh, It's actually a
1: story that I always um, tell, which is a story of a man who's like middle aged until 38, 30, 40 You know um, So he came to me After my performance um I was I was performing At like a street dance Type of thing Going on It was a competition So after my performance He came down And then he Actually hugged me He was crying And then At the time I was just like Confused what's going on And then he told me That he was depressed And all that And that night He was going to Commit suicide And all But after seeing My performance He was like He cha- I actually I literally Changed his mind So at that point, I was like, "Okay, so how many, how many of these type of people have I actually saved their lives with what I do on stage?" And for me, it was just about like, I'm I'm doing this for fun, is it? I was doing it for that. It was just like an extra moral thing for me until I took it serious, and then at that point, I I realized, okay, this is it. You know what? This is, I found my fibers, and then. I started taking it serious because for me, uh, I mean, studying dancing was just a thing. It was just for like first and all of that because it was a thing back then, you know, like street dancing is so cool, you know, I want to be cool as well and all of that. But I never thought I would take it serious and I would make a career out of it. So that's actually how it found me, it drove me to a place where I didn't know I would find myself in. And then I, I, I was like, okay, why not? You know, let's, let's just do it.
0: Yeah. So this extraordinary story of someone that was about to take their own life really affirmed your choice to really focus on dance and invest in dance. So that must have come with an enormous sense of responsibility as well. When someone shares such a powerful story um, that you change their life from ending it to actually... Somehow restoring their faith and renewing their own possibilities, it's a beautiful story, but I imagine it gives you a strong sense of responsibility
1: yes, of course, of course that's that's true because like every time when I step on stage i I make sure that it's not about me but it's it's someone out there you know every time before I step on stage, I said a little prayer, you know, and um I just open my heart to connect with those hearts out there and i believe that since i realized that this is a purpose for me so i believe that it it has a reason why I'm, I'm i have to do this so i yeah it's more of like yes it's a responsibility and i have to serve it and you know with serving it i'm actually you know kind of satisfied with it because i love what i do
0: yeah, absolutely. And it seems to me that your sense of service is what grounds you um, in humility. You have a you have a strong emphasis on the importance of humility. You know, you have fast growing, rapid success, but you very much remain clear on the importance of humility. And is it that sense of service that grounds you?
1: Yeah, it it really grounds me. Like I, I always make sure that I'm humble, but being humble is part of my um my personality, part of my character, you know. And with everything that I'm I'm exposed to right now, you know, it really brings out that character because whenever time people approach me, I'm always down to earth. Even maybe I <clears throat> I just recently came across like a very disturbing moment, like or like someone just literally ruin my day and then I meet up with someone else and then they just want to take a picture. I don't, I don't literally show up the energy. I don't give them that energy, but literally it just changed automatically. Like I become a different person. I become calm. You know, I, I think about the person, I think about how the person feels, you know, instead of like thinking about my personal feelings.
0: Yeah. And it seems to me as well that during during the post-treatment after your amputation, uh, obviously uh, chemotherapy is is can be particularly harsh, and and in your case, it was very harsh. But you you've also talked about the impact on on your mum, for example. You were really aware of the emotional distress for her, or um, you know. As you mentioned, your encounter with um, the man that was feeling suicidal, you were very aware of your mum's own sense of distress and and already you were trying to take responsibility for that um, in terms of how you could equally help her through the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I... Literally, like, the story of, like, me getting treatment and all, for me, it was not... let me just say, for me and my family, it was not traumatic because like a story before my diagnosis, that's the darkest story, you know, a story that I will talk about on my book that I'm going to release in a like few years, you know, it's more of like that story is it's a—it's more of like that's the one that brought me down to my knees, you know, but when I got cancer, uh, when I had a good like, Diagnosed with it, um, and when I was on my treatment, taking my treatment, or it was not really that difficult because I was kind of like, um, in a dreadful moment where I think about like, okay, now I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be sick for a long time anymore. You know, I'm getting treatment. I'm gonna be fine. You know, um, and 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 when they actually like um, proposed the the amputation, I was not really like traumatized and all because like i lost at that point i had lost uh, the sense of walking so for me it was it was like okay this is a relief you know at least we're gonna get rid of this pain painful thing you know and i'm gonna be able to go back to school go back to play with other kids and it because i was still young you know um yeah but for, for my mom it was was not really that smooth as it was for me um, because I guess she was also like thinking about like, okay, my child was like this and then now he's completely going to change and all of that, you know, but you know, um, everything happens for a reason. I know that I, I, I went through whatever I went through for a solid reason and that reason is actually like, you know, resonating right now it's like projecting to what is happening today.
0: Yeah, and even when you reflect on the time you were kicked in the knee, that very much had a reason, didn't it? Because perhaps that kick was what triggered something that needed to be found as soon as possible, for example.
1: Oh uh, yes, for sure. Uh, I I'm I'm like a true believer of like everything happens for a reason, you know, and um, as religious as I am. Uh, even if I can get hit by a car today when I wake up I'm gonna say okay thank you God for whatever that you did I don't know why you did that but there's a reason for it and a few days later or a few months later I'm gonna see why that happened you know so yeah I, 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 I'm I, like I'm like 100% believing in that everything happens for a reason and I guess that's that's what makes me stronger because like Even when I lose something or lose someone or don't make it to something else or something that is not like literally not working in my life, I find a positive side of saying, okay, this is not for me or this person was not meant to be in my life or this was not meant to be in my life or this was not meant to happen, you know, or I'm not ready yet, you know, so those things kind of like keep me on my toes and keep me positive at all times.
0: Yeah, it's a really um, strong level of awareness in terms of how you interpret everything. And when again, when I look at your life story, it does very much feel even more than a transformation. It's like a rebirth or it's even like a a reincarnation. And I know that um, you've mentioned elsewhere, I I think during treatment, you, you you may you may even have experienced some degree of resuscitation attempts and to me that really reinforced this is a rebirth you, you you've had to really almost disappear in order to come back as who you are today
1: yes for sure that's true you know like because there's a moment where um, I was like in, in the middle of um, taking the chemotherapy, and I was so deformed. I was so dark; didn't have hair. My mom even couldn't see me. Like this, she she literally told me like a few years ago. She was like you know that day when she walked in and then um, in my ward, and then she put her back down, and then she walked out again, and then she started looking for me outside because she didn't she didn't know that was me. You know, and then she came back. She came back crying. And I was like, what was going on? And I I, at, that, at that time, I didn't understand. But when she told me like, now, 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 I was like, oh, okay. So you didn't see me. So I take that as like, that was literally a transformation. Like that was a rebirth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely a rebirth and and, and such a shifting identity. And it seems that shifting identity is physical it's spiritual it's mental it's it's literally a top to toe transformation and I read that when you first started to embrace dance with with friends um hip-hop and pansula was probably the initial starting point is that right was it was it that kind of street dance but specific as well to pansula which is unique i think to south africa
1: yeah it was um the it was ispuja there's a one that's called ispuja and then, yes a little bit of pantuda and 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 hip hop yeah
0: yeah so was it like um a whole new community that was wrapped around you when you started to embrace street dance.
1: Oh yes, yes, definitely. Like everyone in the neighborhood was a dancer. So that's what actually drew me into that.
0: Oh, lovely. So that must have been almost like energy pouring into you if you're surrounded by other dancers. Would you say that that energy really helps drive you forward?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yes, because like every time when I danced they they actually like pushed me up and then um, and again it was so satisfying for me to see them battling down you know like dancing and all of that so yeah I would say it was a good drive for me
0: Yeah and just to give listeners context could you could you tell us where where you grew up grew up what were the what were the social conditions like of, of where you grew up and also um what year were you born Musa?
1: Oh, I actually grew up in, I was born in 1995, the 10th of June. Um, I was born in um, a, a neighborhood called Sibugane. It's in the southern side of Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, and it, it's kind of like a township, more than, you know, um, suburbs. And um, yeah, it was suburbs. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's, it's a cool place where it's like everyone it's like there's there's unity, you know, and um a lot of people are always on the streets. Um and the street culture is very is very like, you know, prioritized at that point. And um yeah, I, I, I guess it was just about like being on being on the streets all the time, you know, um playing, um seeing other people doing their thing, you know, um everyone is minding their own business you know it's all about hustling and all so yeah
0: it's really interesting because the reason i asked what year you were born um so you were born in 1995 and of course in 1994 Nelson Nelson Mandela was sworn in as president so a, again your your entire life is about transformation you you were born into one of the most important times in history, that absolutely incredible transformation from such cruel decades of an apartheid system into new hope and human rights and equality with Nelson Mandela. So I'm imagining this must have had such a huge impact, positive impact on your identity growing up. Did you really look towards people like, Nelson Mandela or Desmond Tutu, for example?
1: Yes, I mean, those, those two are the icons, you know, and um, they made sure that we, we find um, comfortability in the life that we live in. And again, like, you know, um, I literally felt the transition, you know, because um, when I was growing up, I could feel and I could see the people changing, from being nervous all the time to trying to be comfortable, you know. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at this, like, a perfect example of, like, how my character was built. I'm that type of person who thinks about, like, how other people feel. And I want to make people comfortable. And I want to make people, you know, um, happy at all times. You know, it's not about me, but it's about, like, changing other people's lives. So... So yeah, I, I look up to them. Like I, I literally like. There's a lot of people like Chris Hani. Um, there's other people that I I can name that from you know South Africa that made a huge difference. And I've learned about them, you know, at school and in my private times, you know. Um, and yeah,
0: it, it's incredible, isn't it? Because of course, just taking um, Nelson Mandela as 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 one example um it really does demonstrate doesn't it the importance of struggle the importance of struggle and also what's possible even when we think it's impossible and this seems to really feed into your identity and who you are and how you've changed the word impossible
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, talking about alone, um, our late Dr. Nelson Mandela, he he was like a true definition of a peacemaker. So he would sacrifice his happiness to make other people happy and he would sacrifice his personal life to make the nation happy and to get what? What's best for them in it. So, yeah, for me it was very encouraging and um, it was inspiring as well to grow up in such an environment where people are actually like rooting for this one person who changed their lives and and it's so like I used to sit I used to sit with my with my grandma and ask her questions like Yo, how was it with this era of like apartheid and all that, you know? And she used to tell me the stories how they lived what they did you know and what other people did to them and all of that, and it was so sad and traumatic you know and um, that's where I appreciate what Nelson Mandela like Chris harney and um, and other people did to did for us you know they changed they really changed our lives and it, it's for the best now you know I mean our country is actually like um, close to being a better country you know because of people like no Dr. Nelson Mandela.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you were born into such an incredible time of transformation. And isn't it lovely um, in so many ways that your life is also about transformation and also about being a messenger of positive transformation?
1: Yeah, to that. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's beautiful. So. I was interested in um, terms of the context of your family growing up in South Africa, um, how important faith was. What, how, how much difference did faith make to you, to your family and whether what happened to you even developed your sense of spiritual curiosity about life and the purpose of life?
1: Oh yeah faith faith is a very important thing it's like a primary um primary factor in my family you know um basically in like you know african um african people like it's um it's a thing that we hold on to faith and we believe in our faith you know and again it's all about like um knowing how to use it knowing how to knowing the basic like, like the basics of life you know in in so many different ways like for instance right when when i was taught how um this thing called life works is like the world the world itself like the planet earth has its own language which is what we're speaking but the whole universe Understand the language of frequencies. So that is why we use as Africans, we use more faith and belief in a lot of things because when you believe in something, you put your mind into it, and you automatically, when you put your mind into it, you send in frequencies to the universe, and the universe comes down to it, they respond immediately, and then you get that. That is why you get like a lot of people who are like who are saying um most poor get poorer the richer get richer you know um the rich get richer it's because of the mindset that they are in. like someone who's poor will always think about like oh my god i'm so sad oh my god i'm gonna you know get bad vibes today and all of that and already they are attracting those things you know and that's what actually um came into like manifestations praying and all of that because i believe in manifestations so much that my dreams all my dreams I write them down every day you know I have a system that I use so that I always have that, that 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 kind of like energy around it surrounding me and it also helps me to protect my aura. It also helps me to clear up my aura, to be clean, and to make sure that whenever time I meet up with people, they get positive energy from me. You know, and um, praying as well in the spiritual field, it's a very important thing, you know. As I say, I'm a religious person, I believe in God, you know. And um, I always take God as like this is my father, we have a relationship. What is our relationship? I talk to him every day. I pray every day. When, I, when I'm when i about to do something, I talk to him, ask for the guidance and all of that. And if I don't believe in what I'm saying, then I know that nothing will happen. So I have to believe in what I'm saying. So that comes with faith. And when you believe in something, you have to do something. You have to react on it. And you need to create a rhythm around whatever that you're doing. If you create a rhythm, a rhythm will automatically create a trance and when you get into a trance a trance is something that you cannot control it's an energy that is that is like instilled or that is created and it acts independently so you cannot control a trance. So when you when you get into a trance um, that's where actually like a lot of things are happening. So you you I, I create the rhythm the rhythm creates a trance. And then right now I'm in a midst of trance where energies are just flowing the way I created them, you know? So it's like positive vibes all the time. I always get positive things from all different life aspects, from different corners of the world, you know? Because I, I manifested this and then now it's on a trance state and when it's in trance, I mean, I can't control it. That is right now I, I feel so blessed. I feel, I feel so lucky. To, to be in a state I, mean, I am today and I feel, like you said before, earlier, about the responsibility. I feel like it's it's on a trans mode right now because automatically when someone comes to me and say, yo, must I have a problem, I'm all automatically thinking about how can I help this person? I have to help them, you know. And, um, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I off him yeah. <laughs>
0: no, not at all. It's you know, it's lovely to hear such, you know, such enthusiasm um in, in that in that experience. And and trance is really important. Other artists have referred to that, and, and often through rhythm, often through dance, often through music. Um, and it seems to be a really important quality that's gifted from the arts and another important. Reason why we need a healthy relationship with the arts in order to experience these things. You're very clear about positive manifestations as well as faith. And you, you're talking about intention, having clear intention. So we know that, you know, as we were um talking about, you know, the, the terrible history of apartheid in South Africa, there are systemic oppressive forces against people, but you're also asserting the importance of intention, of self-belief in order to manifest change.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, definitely.
0: So can you remember the day when you reflected on the word impossible and recognized you could change that to I'm possible? Can you remember that day and what was happening?
1: Um. Well, I, I, I would be lying if I say I remember the day, but I would say the era was when I was transitioning from high school to college, because like that's where my career was actually like getting more stronger, you know, and I was playing football on um with able bodies, you know, and. That's where I was like, you know what, I've I've, I've literally met up with other amputees and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And then most of them, they can't do it, you know. Um, and it, it, it's a mindset thing, I know, but they always say, nah, that's impossible to do. And then I try it and then it happens. That's where I actually like, oh, okay, so I break this word impossible, you know. Um, and nothing is, is really impossible and it, until you try it. And then um, you see that, okay, it's not possible. So... Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't, I, it, it's one of those things that I actually caught along the way. I was like, oh, okay, yes, um, yeah, I I, I break this word, you know, and I, impossible. I, I am a true definition of uh, the, the possibilities, you know, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, so a, a happy evolution in terms of your own mindset, because it's, it's very interesting, isn't it, that the loss of a leg gave you a new mindset that's so powerful in in so many ways
1: yeah for sure um, it made me um, uh, grow up so quick you know uh, mature so quick and it made me appreciate every moment of my life because I've I've literally faced the death like I've literally like saw death with my own eyes you know like you know i'm not even joking i feel like you know whenever time i tell the story of like because i haven't told my mom this story where i literally got i don't i don't remember what what are those things called when someone like w- when your heart stops and then they just electrify you
0: oh they have to shock you that's right yeah.
1: yeah that one yeah i literally went through that and then um during that process i can still see it visibly like what was happening at that time and um how i felt you know the first time this happened the second time the third time you know like you know it made me feel so i need to appreciate it Like, i need to appreciate the moment of like i need to hold on to the feeling of yeah musa now you are transitioning into this person so how are we doing this and then god was there he was on my side the whole time and that's where I started to like think about oh okay so losing a leg is actually not a loss it, it's actually a gain you know I gained something I gained a lot you know because come to, come to think about it you know I would have maybe right now I would have been like maybe biochemist or biochemical engineer you know or something else you know um, I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at the space where I'm at today if I was not um, in the situations that I've I've encountered. You know, so I appreciate every moment that I went through, and it's more of like um, some people would would be really weird for me. They're like, "Oh, so you really appreciate that you lost a leg, bro?" That's I'm like, yeah, you know, you will you will never understand because like right now I'm a moving billboard, you know, like wherever wherever I go, people look at me, you know, and I look good, you know, I make sure that I look good so that I can feel good, you know, and it makes me feel nice that, you know, um, wherever I go, some people would just come to me and say, yo, bro, you're a true inspiration. I'm like, you don't even know me. I'm like, yeah, but for the fact that you you took charge of like, you want to be this person and you want to filtrate into this society, you know, it really means a lot. I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot. There's like just a lot of things that I actually encounter that I don't literally talk about. You know, but yeah, I mean,
0: mm. uh, it, it seems. Well, would you say, Musa, that you were tested with such extreme demands of courage that it was that test, and the fact that you were willing to find that. that you are where you are today and who you are today, that it was a bigger story in many ways than the amputation, although that is a huge story. But it was a bigger story in many ways in terms of that test of faith and courage and having the courage to make your own bold choices.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, (sighs) I'm, I'm gonna start talking a lot around, so I'm like i <laughs> like, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what? For me, it's it's just about like um, appreciating life and making sure that I know my purpose and I always align my energy according to my purpose. You know, because right now I'm 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 kind of like getting into uh, a position where I align all my energies into one thing and I then like distribute it to people, you know, and make sure, make, make them aware that finding your purpose is really important because you just flow. Everything just flows, you know, easier. Everything that flows without putting any extra efforts, you know, um, but the most difficult thing is finding your purpose. That's the most difficult thing because when you find it, after finding it, it's just like you just relax and then everything happens automatically. Um, so it's just about like appreciating life, you know, being positive at all time and making sure that you don't focus on negative stuff. But like, I mean, I can encounter like hundreds or thousands of negative stuff. But if I find that one thing that is positive, I'm going to focus on it. And automatically it's going to delete all the negative stuff around me, you know, so that's how I actually view life and that's how I live my life every day.
0: And I wondered if dance and your own choreography, I wondered if that was an expression of prayer, um, not necessarily always storytelling. How would you describe
1: dance and your own choreography? Um, I'm having fun with dance, you know. (laughs) but um at the same time dance for me um it's it's more than just a performance it's more of like a spiritual way of you know um celebrating something or maybe if i'm trying to i'm trying to like tell a story um i use dance you know dance for me it's a lot of things you know which are different comes with different situations and different platforms and environment um but most importantly it's just about me sending messages up there and being a messenger from god and you know um the highest energies um yeah
0: yeah because on the tremendous day uh your your television history day when the golden buzzer was struck by all of the all of the judges. you at one point actually almost fell to the stage. You were kneeling um, perhaps in shock, it was emotionally overwhelming. I mean the the, the space, the audience was literally screaming um, championing you um, supporting you in every way possible. What, what was happening for you when you were kneeling? What was happening then in your mind?
1: Oh um it was a moment of appreciation so when the judges pressed the buzzer all of them um i was in a in a moment of uh i was i was actually in a disbelief of like yo god you literally came through for me you know because that day was so hard you know like Literally a day before I was coming from Southampton to London, you know, and then I got to London very late at like, I think 12 p.m. 12 a.m., 11 p.m., you know, and then I I didn't get enough sleep. Uh, I had to wake up very early in the morning to catch a train to Manchester to do the show, to record the, to do the audition. Um, And again, I had, I had like an ankle injury. I had a shoulder injury. The performance was really not that smooth. So, like, there, there was a lot of things that, are, that were happening at the same time. And it was a struggle for me. Like, everything was just dragging for me to get there and to perform. It was just, like, you know, um, painful and stuff, you know, because my shoulder was really giving in, you know. Um, and again, when I kneeled down, I was just thanking God. The first thing that I did was to pray, I prayed um, and it got me emotional to, like, to an extent that I was like okay God what is this, what happened what, what's going on You know, and I felt a sense of like God, God was trying to tell me that yo this is just the beginning of this era I want you to know that we are about to start a new leaf a new life and this is what I need you to actually focus on And for me, it was a moment of like, I, I, I didn't know how to react to anything, you know, but I was just thankful to what the situation was, you know, and yeah, I was just appreciating life that I had and and that moment actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was a really powerful and, and a really beautiful moment and leading up to that incredible moment, obviously, you know, you'd been dancing for several years and, you know right from physio and rehab post op you've worked extremely hard on your your physical capability um and i was interested in how pivotal joining the viani dance theater uh, was for you um the kind of freedom that you discovered there in order to become the dancer you are now
1: um joining we um, only dance theater was, uh, was actually a blessing, you know, because I was a street dancer before and then I joined in, um, I think, 2018. Yes, 2018. And the founder of the company, Gregory McCormick, who is currently my mentor, he, he, he took me in. You know, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to treat you um, special or something. You know, you're going to be as equal as everyone in this company, you know. Um, and then, I, yeah, I took it in. You know, I took it in and I digested the whole thing, you know, and it was a moment of appreciation at that time. And I worked so hard and they give you, yes, they give you the freedom to explore and the freedom to be creative in your own space, in your own time, in your own feeling and um it gave me the sense of professionalism because that was the first time i actually worked for a company that was my first job in my life you know and um yeah that was a dream also as a dancer you would want to be in a space in a safe space financially you know and again you want to be in a space where you will be able to enjoy yourself and as well as working so hard showcasing your talent and all And that's what, um, the company gave me, you know, like my, I mean, like my first international tour was with dance theater and, um, yeah. And other things that happened, you know, like it was just so amazing to be in the company.
0: Yeah. And so supported. Um, and it seems that, um, it unleashed perhaps the freedom to have your own creative curiosity. Um, and would that have included, was that the time where you decided that you may only use one of your crutches even?
1: Oh, yes. Um, I mean, this, the strategy actually uh, came up during the process of training. So I, I realized that sometimes I just don't need both crutches, but I need one because um, if if maybe, for instance, I'm using two, there'll be like, you know, restrictions and all And then I just use one. Sometimes I don't use crutches at all. Um, Sometimes I use both of them. So it's just a thing of like, depends on the choreography, actually. Depends on the choreography, like what is demanded from me, what is requested from me at that point in time. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And also um, with your entrepreneurial interests, I understand, you know, that creative curiosity, if you like, has manifested in terms of your own innovations of the design for crutches. Could you tell us a little about that? What's happening?
1: Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's, uh, it's a story that I actually developed myself, which came from um, the experiences that I encountered with dancing, walking, you know, doing all of those things because I realized that there are are crutches that are comfortable for walking only and there there are crutches that are comfortable for dancing and there are crutches that are specifically comfortable for playing football, you know, and running and all of that. So I want to fuse all of those, put them in one thing and make sure that they are comfortable but they are strong at the same time and um it's it's some sort of like a hustle you know for us amputees use crutches, like you know like i've i've seen like my um my football team um team members they carry like two crutch two pairs of crutches, you know they have their walking ones which are comfortable for walking, but they're not strong enough to play football with, and then now we have to switch to the ones that we play football with, so for me, I want to. I want to make it so comfortable that you use one crutch for all the occasions, you know. So, yeah, I'm still developing everything now and, um, yeah, it's coming all right, you know, meeting few interested, interesting people, you know, and um, they actually helping me out with the research that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, and it's another example of of positive transformation, isn't it? That, again, things can change. There can be positive transformations. And, and something like that will create so much more enablement, won't it, for how people participate and how people can use their own bodies?
1: Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true.
0: So there's just a a couple more questions just as um, we we need to start coming to a close, um, Musa. And and one of the things I'm interested in um, asking you about is uh, this season is published on World Children's Day. Um, And World Children's Day um, is celebrated on November the 20th, led by the United Nations. And I was interested in... I was interested in what your message to children everywhere might be you, you know as you know as a child what struggle is you know what discrimination is forces of oppression are but you also know lessons of compassion and I wondered in terms of World Children's Day how you would like to see the arts reach children and how the arts can teach children
1: Oh, yes. There's so many different ways of doing that Um, because uh, with me, I I just work with my experiences, you know, and uh, I remember this other day when I was young and this other old man came in and he was actually teaching us about like how to treat people, you know, and again, how to expect, like how to reciprocate energies, you know, and, It was so important for me right now that I see, okay, that person taught me how to actually treat other people, you know, um, would be like different abilities or normal person. But it's important for children to be groomed at the early stage, you know, um, so that they know that this is how you interact with certain people in life there are people who are like this, you know, there are people who are like so and sore, you know, so you need to know how to react to them. Like, for instance, you can write a book, you know, a children's book and teach them how to treat, like, you know, maybe um, differently able people, you know. Of course, they're going to implement that and they're going to change how they see life, you know. And again, with children who are actually um, encountering the discrimination and all can be um, I mean it's it, 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 it comes with different things with which comes from the environment and how how people who are close to you are treating you you know but it will be like whatever the situation you're in try 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 going through the acceptance first you know um, you accept yourself love yourself nothing will ever you know touch you know nothing will ever um distract you in life you know so it's more of like you need to accept yourself be in love with yourself first and then know that no one will touch you because even me right now i'm i think about like a lot of things that i that i appreciate in life you know and i know that i love myself and I, I look good you know i make sure that i always look good because i love i love looking good you know and makes me feel good you know and The confidence so I would say like with the kids it's just about like acceptance and the parents need to make sure that they make their kids very comfortable with themselves and they need to teach them that in this world they are very special you know and again they are important as much as important as everyone else
0: yeah absolutely really really important beautiful sentiments and about their sense of equality in the world and so just thinking as, as we draw to a close move so just thinking about the series question uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on the series question cannot save us uh, and obviously that can be answered in in many different ways um and also you know coming from um from Africa South Africa there's a rich history of of arts uh of creative societies although um I think you've noted there's also been a real loss of investment in the arts and it's something we're struggling with in the UK today but what is your view on that idea can art save us
1: um I think I don't you know in terms of South Africa I would say it's just about Priorities, in it, like uh, right now, the arts is not a priority in South Africa because there's there's like an economy challenge that you know we are facing, and we need we're still trying to actually um, fix it. And again, um, with with most Africans, it's more of like we are. I don't know how to explain it, but the arts is what describes us, you know, because we we do a lot of things. We do, like, traditional dances ourselves. We do a lot of things um, traditionally, you know. So it's more of, like, we would feel weird to go and watch something That I actually have to I can do Or maybe I can go On the next street And watch it for free You know So it's more of like We need to Kind of like Make an an Art awareness Of like This is A different level Of performances You know Like the art forms You know And teach people Like how important it is To go and watch The shows Because they are Educational Every show Tells a story And a lot of people Can relate to it um and again it's just about like um uh, we we kind of like have to make sure that we have people who believes in us who believes in the arts so that like for instance there are millionaires and billionaires in south africa but they are not really like exposed to the, like the legendary or maybe the world-class performances or world-class arts because in the africa it um I wouldn't say not really prioritized but we we kind of like shifted the focus a little bit in other things than the arts so the art industry is very small um and it's it's yeah it's really like a bit harder for artists to actually like make it in south africa but those who are making it they're making it you know internationally not just in south africa so they told the world and then they, they perform wherever they perform and then they come back home and then they do things, they do creative things, you know. Um, obviously, something that I'm going to do in life, try to um, create a platform for other artists coming up, you know, so that they can actually also make it in life and um, make sure that the art is taken seriously in my country and all of that. So I would say, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit difficult, but it's on a shifting um period right now because a lot of things are changing you know and changing for the better
0: yeah absolutely and and it, it's so clearly all about um positive transformation isn't it and your whole life the the, the theme of transformation in your life is, is is incredible from from being born um into uh uh, an era with Nelson Mandela sworn in as president to your own life story. Um, it, it, it's absolutely um, astonishing and very, very inspirational. And if you don't mind me, so I'd like to give a shout out to, your artist manager, Ben Price. Um, for the listeners, Ben Price is the founder of Harborside Artist Management, uh, and Ben works with Musa. And if you would like to discover even more outstanding talent, please go and look up Harborside Management and be part of celebrating life. Musa, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I know you're sharing your story often but to hear your values and your insights and your your examples i I know you work specifically as a motivational speaker uh it's been an absolute pleasure to have that time with you today thank you very much for joining me
1: uh thank you so much thank you for the invite it really means a lot